Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In today's Old Testament lesson, the people of Israel are ready to enter into the promised land. They had already begun settling the land to the east of the Jordan River. That is the way they approached the, the promised land from, from the east. And now they are preparing to cross the Jordan. So they're heading westward into the main area that will make up the promised land, the land of Israel. Anticipation and excitement are very high, yet the people are most likely ready to rest after their very long journey. After all, they had been in the wilderness for the past 40 years. Their diet consisted mainly of the manna, that daily food which God had provided for them. Almost everyone was less than 60 years old since those who were older had died in the wilderness. They faced trial, and yet the Lord remained with them. Their clothing, as we heard in this reading, did not wear out, and their feet did not swell during that very long journey. Before they enter into the promised land, though, it is time for God's people to gather together to hear the word of the Lord, to hear the word preached to them by God's servant Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, the second sermon that is recorded in Deuteronomy begins. And this is a speech of Moses which instructs God's people before they are going to enter into this land. The speech includes a rather long summary of the, the law. It begins with the giving of the Ten Commandments a second time and continues with a, a summary of many of the ceremonial laws. And also, interspersed in this sermon, Moses spoke of many words of encouragement and hope, even prophesying the coming of the prophet, that is, our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, when at the appointed time. Now, this sermon of Moses continues for the next 21 chapters in Deuteronomy. If you ask me, this is yet another miracle that God's people had gathered to listen to this word of the Lord without the comforts that we enjoy in a church sanctuary. They listen to the sermon even as they are probably chomping at the bit to cross the Jordan River and settle their new land and enter into their new, new homes. But instead of rushing off and getting on with their daily lives, they had this opportunity to be soaked in God's word as Moses declared it to them. This sets an example for us. Before we busy ourselves with whatever keeps us busy, it is only right for us to sanctify our time with the word of God. That's why it is also good for us to do as we are doing tonight, to get together as God's family in God's house, centered around God's word, to give thanks to God, to sing his praises, to 
hear this saving word of God, to focus on the saving mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ before we engage in our various festivities for Thanksgiving. For our time in the word cannot be better spent. Our time praying and singing these praises of God, giving thanks to him, cannot be better used. We learn of first fruit giving as we give back to God of his of a portion of the various blessings that he has given to us. We learn especially of this first fruit giving by example when we go to church on Sunday mornings because it's the beginning of a new week and we give of our first hour, first hour or two of the week to the Lord as we participate in the divine service in God's house, hearing the word and receiving the sacrament. Is there any better way to return thanks than to do this very thing? For when we are truly thankful of the mercies that God has had upon us, we will certainly hear the voice of our good shepherd, and we will gladly receive his gifts with thanksgiving. In fact, the Lord's Supper is sometimes called the Eucharist. That is a word that comes from the Greek for giving thanks, thanksgiving. For Jesus, he took bread, he blessed it, he gave thanks. And so by participating in the sacrament frequently, we are certainly expressing our thanks to Jesus who instituted this sacrament, who shed his innocent blood in our behalf, and who blesses us with the forgiveness of all of our sins. And so let's sanctify our days by reading the scripture, by praying to the Lord who not only made the heavens and the earth, but also the Lord who provides for our, our everyday needs and above all, provides us with the forgiveness of sins earned by our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. God's word is our great heritage. There is nothing that's more important. For in this word, we hear and we see our Savior Jesus, who goes to the cross and sheds his innocent blood on the cross to grant us the gift of everlasting life and salvation, a gift that is given by grace through faith, faith which is worked by God the Holy Spirit through his word. Our Old Testament lesson tonight is spoken toward the beginning of Moses' long sermon. Again, it started in Deuteronomy 5, and now we are in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Inspired by God himself, Moses commanded the people to follow God's word, being fruitful and multiplying as they go in to possess the land which God had promised to their fathers. In this sermon, Moses reminds them of God's providence, how God takes care of them as he took care of them throughout those 40 years and as they are now entering into this good land that has brooks of water, fountains and springs, a land that has wheat and barley, vines and figs and pomegranates, olives and honey. They will eat without scarcity and they will lack nothing. 
Their land will produce iron and copper. They shall eat and they shall be full and they shall bless the Lord their God for the good land that he is giving them. This is in stark contrast to our Lord Jesus Christ who conducted his ministry in poverty. poverty. Jesus had once stated that the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. Even as many followed him, Jesus still faced persecution and suffering. Many were seeking ways to kill him, and even his own hometown where he grew up would not honor him. There are some parallels between the Israelites in our Old Testament lesson and our Lord Jesus Christ as he, he begins his ministry. So just as the people of Israel had wandered through the wilderness for 40 years before entering into the promised land, our Lord Jesus Christ goes into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights before he begins his ministry. Satan, just as Satan tempted the Israelites so that they began to engage in false worship and frequently grumbled and complained against God, so also the same Satan went into the wilderness to tempt Jesus, the very Son of God. Just as the people of Israel heard the word of God, so also Jesus used his time in the wilderness to be in the word. In each of these three, three temptations that Jesus faced when he was in the wilderness, he quoted not just any Old Testament passage, but I think it's worth noting that Jesus quoted the passages that are from this very speech of Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. This sermon from Deuteronomy 5 to 26 helped sustain Jesus during his fast and during his temptation. So all three times he responded to the devil and his temptations, Jesus quoted verses from Deuteronomy 6 and 8. The Israelites, they had concluded their 40 years of wandering, and now when Jesus is tempted, he is concluding his 40 days of fasting. The Israelites are relishing at the opportunity to go into a land flowing with milk and honey. And Jesus is considering those events. He has them on his mind. He's thinking about them. These wonderful blessings that the Israelites were receiving as Jesus is facing starvation and as Satan is tempting Jesus. When the tempter had come to Jesus, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus replies, quoting a portion of tonight's Old Testament lesson, saying, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here Jesus, who created all things, is now in need. Here, Jesus, the perfect one, is facing temptation, but yet he did not sin. And Jesus quotes a Bible passage right in the midst of speaking of the blessings of God's people 
who were receiving such great things from their merciful God. He quotes a Bible passage at the height of his temptation and the height of his fasting that tells us about how the Israelites are going into a land of brooks of water, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that has pomegranates and fig trees, a land that is a beautiful land. To think that Jesus is thinking of these words as he is out there in the wilderness. Only a perfect man could keep on dwelling on them. And so Jesus carried out his cross and trial with steadfastness, never giving in to the temptations of the devil and being satisfied by the promises of God. If Jesus can zero in on a passage like this in the midst of severe hunger and great temptation, we too can consider passages like these when we are not having the types of enjoyments that we would normally like, when we are going through trials or temptations, when we are bearing our crosses. We can take comfort in God's divine providence that he will be with us and get us through our times of difficulty. We can be confident that God will graciously resolve our various wants and trials. For God is not stingy, but God is the God of abundance. He didn't just create a place for humans to live in, to barely get by with life, but instead God created a most beautiful world all around us with lakes. There's forests and fields and mountains throughout his creation, beaches and oceans. He created a wide variety of plant and animal life for us to enjoy. God has created much beauty and there's so much for us to awe over. We have so much to be thankful for, for what we have in this world, even though it is a fallen world. God's abundance is made especially clear in what Jesus has done for us and for our salvation. For Jesus did not just pay for a few sins that, that, uh, that, that each person would commit, but nor did Jesus pay for a few sinners whom he would want to save. But when Jesus went to the cross, he paid for all people's sin, yours and mine, and he paid for every last sin. There's nothing too shameful, nothing too wicked that Jesus could not and did not pay for. There was nothing that he left out. That means he has abundantly paid for your sin. And now he freely gives you salvation by grace. And for this, how can we not but be filled with thanksgiving? How can we not but want to sing out with great joy our songs of praises and thanksgiving? God's abundance is clear in this congregation. He has blessed us for the past 102 years. And yes, while sometimes the church experiences times of greater financial prosperity than others or greater attendance than others, 
He has still been with us. He has been faithful in allowing us to hear his word, to go to his altar, to be absolved of our many sins. He has blessed our congregation with improvements. He's blessed our altar with the addition of the gradine. He has blessed our congregation with the resolve to rebuild our organ, to aid in our singing and to give glory to God. He has blessed our church with faithful people who keep on coming to hear the saving word of Christ. And above all, he has blessed us with his very presence, the presence of Christ through his word and sacrament, along with that forgiveness of sins which we need for our eternal salvation. Forgiveness of sins granted by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Such great blessings and such wonderful things to be thankful for. Thanks be to God for his innumerable mercies and for his unending gifts. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. We continue now with the hymn that is printed in your bulletins. 